Welcome to Sunday Morning at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you joined us. Special shout out to those of you who might be new with us, joining us for the first time. We love Christmas. Like, it's an exciting time. It's, uh, it's when things kick off and get good for us here as a follower of Jesus. Why don't you turn to your neighbor real quick and say, Merry Christmas. There you go. Well, some of you might be here for the first time, and you might be checking out church. Maybe you've been raised in the church. Whatever the case might be, whatever your story might be, I think there's something we always have to keep coming back to, and that's this, that God has a plan and purpose for your life. God has a plan and purpose for your life. And it starts with this idea of surrendering. In fact, the Apostle Paul, he says this in Romans 6.13, he says, nor must you surrender any part of yourselves to sin to be used for wicked purposes. Instead, give yourselves to God as those who have been bought or brought from death to life. And surrender, circle that right there, surrender your whole being to him to be used for righteous purposes. Some of you need to capture that, need to hold on to that. That really, there's, there's two ways this plays out when we boil it all down. It's for God or not with him. It's God's team or the other team. And we believe here at Faith that it's all about being on God's team, that he has a righteous purpose for each and every one of us. There's this account we're going to look at in Luke chapter 1 where this lady, her name is Mary. Many of you are familiar with her story as we look at this Christmas season. There's actually four accounts of Jesus' life in the Gospels. There's Matthew, and that audience is Jewish readers. There's a, there's a whole genealogy, line upon line, on how Jesus is connected back to King David. And then there's Mark, and that directly deals with Romans. Romans didn't care in this cultural context about who Jesus was related to. They just wanted to know why they needed Jesus. So Mark gives us a very basic. And then there's Luke, the Gospel of Luke. Luke gives us details. Luke gives us insight we've never seen. In fact, Luke did so much work because he was an individual that wasn't a first eyewitness account or he didn't see it right in front of him, but he had to do a deep dive into who Jesus was. And then we have the Gospel of John who gives us this whole picture of Jesus being both 100% man and 100% God. So today, we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, this story where this lady receives an announcement. Her name is Mary. But before we go any further, let's pray. If you'll bow your heads with me. God, right now, we give you this time as we continue to just worship you through learning, understanding what you have in store for us. Lord, as we celebrate this Christmas season, I pray that you move in ways and in families and in lives that we can't even imagine, can't even fathom, can't even maybe see or receive, but it's by your grace and your will that we grow and that we live here and that we become better individuals when we leave this place. So be with us as we learn from your word today in your great and holy name. We all say, amen, amen. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a moment that didn't go according to plan? Anybody? 
right? Like, I, I don't know about you, but I've had many of those. This one particular one, my wife and I, uh, we got married in Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas, because I was a pastor. I've used this joke before, some of you know that. And I was a pastor, and at the end of our closing ceremony, we wanted to do this like extravagant send-off. You know, like some people throw rice, or they do like now all sorts like pop confetti cannons, or they're throwing different like clouds of smoke. I don't know if you've seen any of the Instagram stuff that's gone over. But we wanted to send off those Chinese lanterns in the sky. You know, bride and groom, they come out and it's like, oh, everybody light their lantern and let's let, watch them ascend to the sky. Things didn't go according to plan. But my wife, her name is Brittany and I love her dearly. She's like, I'm not leaving these doors until I start seeing these lanterns go up, right? That special one day. And I'm like, babe, I don't see any lanterns going off. So finally we start inching out and we see people, they're, they're lighting their lanterns and their Chinese lanterns, and I think they're actually made in China, and so they weren't really working according to plan. And as people were lighting them, there's one that goes off, and we're like, that's our cue. And then it blows into a tree. My brother-in-law, he scurries up there, he's a firefighter, he's beating it out of the tree, he's smacking it in and out, and he's trying to get it out, and he's in his nice, like, suit, and he's trying to save the party from being engulfed in, plant, in flames. I, I think there's moments in our life where we have this plan, we have this purpose, and things don't go accordingly. Mary, Jesus' mother, had a plan thrown her way that she didn't expect. Today, we're going to be looking at four understandings when it comes to God's plan, how that plays out, how that works. And we're going to look at when she gets this great announcement in her life, what she does with it, how she reacts, some of the precursors to receiving that righteous purpose. See, a lot of us, we want the plan of life laid out before us, but there's something we have to start with first, and that's this posture of complete surrender. We read in Romans where you can surrender for a righteous purpose, to be used by a righteous purpose. But a lot of times we, we want our purpose to be laid out before us, and then we'll kind of throw God in that mix. So today I want to encourage you to open your hearts, to receive, to be in that posture of seeing what God has in store for you as we look at this very first story of Jesus this morning. So here we go. Number one, first understanding when it comes to God's plan in our life is this. First one is this. We need to, we need to be more concerned about our willingness to listen than our status in life. We need to be more concerned about our willingness to listen than our status in life. I believe one of the reasons that Mary was used is because she had this posture to listen. She was an individual to listen. It says back in Romans, Paul says, I'm going to, or Paul is quoting and saying, he's writing, that a righteous purpose is someone who's willing to surrender. Mary was willing to listen. In verse 26 of Luke chapter 1, you can grab your notes, you can follow along online, it says this, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. 
Now, there's two words that really pop out. The first one is this, Nazareth. Now, this is the first time this city is actually listed in Scripture. When we look at Matthew and we look at Luke, it's never found in the Old Testament. See, Nazareth is actually this really quaint, small, small, small town. In fact, in some translations in your Bible, it says city. Well, in the Greek, which is what was written in the Bible, there's actually no word for city. So to call Nazareth the city is actually giving it some really good props when it really didn't deserve. It wasn't even a town. It would be more considered a village. Think about yourself right now in Florida. Think of that one like small, dainty, quiet village around. Think about it, put it around. They don't even have that one stoplight. It's like, hey, you want to go somewhere after lunch for Christmas dinner? Let's go to the gas station, right? You got, you got one of those? Don't yell it out loud. I don't want to offend anybody. But see, this is what's important when it comes, when this is noted in the gospel account, is that this, Mary was from Nazareth, a small, daint, quiet village, hardly on the map, not recording the Old Testament, but yet something great came from that place. Some of us in here, you look at your history, you look at your life and you say, well, I've been in this situation, I've been in this place, God can't use me. There's no purpose in my life. Like, do you know my family lineage? Do you know what's happened to me, what's occurred in my life? Do you know where I come from, the mistakes that I've made? And I'm here to tell you right now, God's not concerned about the mistakes of your past. He's concerned if you're willing to listen right now. See, that's what we're picking up from Mary. Nazareth, this small town, it's not even on the map, yet Jesus is born there. Or Jesus is from there, excuse me. And then we have this word virgin that comes out. You look at the life, right? You, you look at these verse, couple of verses. Before Mary's name is accounted for, virgin precedes it. Her label is Virgin Mary. And the virgin is betrothed to a man by the name of Joseph. Now, some of you might be thinking to yourself, well, that's because of the supernatural, this prophecy coming true. But you have to remember, Luke is this doctor. He writes it. He did investigation, and he's trying to communicate. And as he's writing this account, you don't think he could have maybe switched it and said, hey, Mary, who happens to be a virgin, but no, it's twice. The Virgin Mary, virgin betrothed to Joseph. Think about that self, your descriptive word about yourself. Would you want to be recorded in all of history as virgin, fill in the blank? Like, I, I can't imagine introducing myself and be like, hello, I'm Virgin Blake. That's a little weird. But see, it's, it's promise and it's potent there because not only is God fulfilling prophecy, God moving in a supernatural way, but it's also this label because that's the only status that Mary is carrying at this point. That's the most powerful descriptive word about her life to this point. Think about it. The, 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 the greatest thing that she has is this descriptive word. It's kind of fascinating. It's unique when we look at scripture. It's unique when we dive into these things. And some of you have might been in this place going through some things and there's a label that might be hanging over your head or there's something that maybe your descriptive word you're not pleased with. 
you don't like it, you're frustrated with. Whatever the case might be, see, we see Nazareth, we see this word virgin, it is highlighting that our God can use someone from whatever place they're from and can use someone whatever label that they are given. So whatever is holding over your head, know that your God has a purpose for your life. That's what it comes down to it. God is more concerned about our willing to listen than our posture and our status of what we have. Number two, when it comes to God's plan in our life, is this, is God is more concerned and, and more interested in our humility, which brings favor from God. See, humility is this idea, this understanding that we have to honor someone above ourselves. We just sung, worthy is the Lord. He is deserving of our worship, of our prayer. And whenever we look and we lean in and we say, hey, you know what? If we're going to humble ourselves before someone, that means someone is maybe greater. We're lifting them up. We're honoring them. See, humility brings attention to areas of our life that we might not want to address, might not want to fix. I don't know if you've ever heard that Maybe a little slogan or whatever. I I hope they experience that or maybe they'll finally learn some humility in their life. Maybe we say that about a coworker or a friend or maybe that's been said about you. See, humility brings our attention. There's some things that we need to adjust, some buttons that we need to turn up in our life, switch and maybe adjust and, and evaluate. See Luke chapter 1 verse 28 as we continue we look at this story and it says and he came to her and said greetings O favored one the Lord is with you but she was greatly troubled saying and greatly troubled at the saying. Pastor Goss last week he mentioned when he was speaking that whenever an angel or the presence of God would show up at someone's doorstep people would be so mesmerized so scared so intimidating because the overwhelming presence Mary this lady didn't know what was happening didn't know what was going on she was troubled she was frightened tried to discern this sort of greeting she continues or verse continues and greeting this might be and the angel said to her do not be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God two times the word favor is recorded there two times some translations it says and he came to her and it came and it says and he came to her inside Mary this 12 to 13 year old girl is cleaning her house doing dishes shaking the rug she's engaged right now that means Joseph's over here he's preparing a place for them to stay Mary is fine-tuning all of her responsibilities and as she is doing something the ordinary the mundane in her humble estate She is preparing her heart to receive one of the greatest messages that God's given her. To use her in a purpose that she never even could imagine. But see, it was this posture of humility that Mary carried that brought favor into her life. If you look over in verse 47, it says, My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my God or in God, my Savior. Fascinating when we look at scriptures and we look at text. Mary writes this song some verses later, still in chapter one of, uh, of Luke, 
And I found it fascinating. Anytime she writes this song, in every verse, it says, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. She's talking about herself. Verse 49, for he is mighty. And this, she is saying, for his mercy. In verse 51, he has shown strength. Verse 53, she goes, he is filled. He has helped. He spoke. It's this posture. Whenever Mary is having this, uh, uh, this moment, she's understanding when she's greatly troubled, the he, the great I am, the God that is delivering the greatest and most magnificent news to her. It's all about him. She is coming to this humble estate. She's been living in this humble estate. And because she has had this trait of humility about her, God uses her for, in a way she can't even imagine, can't even fathom in her life. Proverbs 3.34 says this, toward the scorners he is scornful, but to the humble he gives favor. Jesus in, gives us this example in 18.4 of Matthew says, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. See, whenever it comes to having this purpose in our life established, whenever we surrender to God, he's more and so concerned with our humility, which then leads to favor. A.W. Tozer, I, qu I quote him quite often. He's one of my favorite self-taught theologians because he would take God's word and he would apply it to his life and he would look at it, he would comb through it. And, and he says this when it comes to humility, the reason why many are still troubled, still seeking, still making little forward progress is because they haven't yet come to the end of themselves. We're still trying to give orders and interfering with God's work within us. See, humility brings favor. You can imagine Mary, she's sitting there in the kitchen, she's sweeping, she's going about her daily business. This angel shows up and she's just mesmerized. Yes, God, I'll do it. See, what do you need to receive? What ways do you need help? What do you need to give up? Humility is this idea, this posture, there's something greater and more than us individually. When it comes to knowing God's plan, his realm, number three for us, surpasses our realities. His realm surpasses our realities. The God we serve has no limitations. And I think sometimes we put our reality into God's realm. And we say, hey God, I want you to fit my reality. Verse saying, hey, maybe we could be a part of his realm, his greatness, his goodness in our life. Look what happens in Luke chapter 1, verse 31 and 33. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Yahweh saves. He will be great, and you'll be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom, there will be no end. Can you imagine seeing this encounter take place in Mary's house? She's saying, hey, here's my reality. And God's saying, I want you to know, here's the realm that I work in. It's fascinating when you look at some of the greatest nations in all of history, they've all experienced a tragic fall. Let's start, we're in church, so let's start with Israel. 
There's the tragic fall when they go into slavery by the Babylonians. We look at Greece, they fall to Rome. When you look through history and you look at Rome, they, they fall because of inside inner turmoil, political and, and tribe warfare. You see throughout history, there's always a fall of these great empires. You see the great expansion. Again, people fall, nations fall, civil, civilizations fall, even the Florida Gators football team dynasty falls. Let's go you. I'm a Miami fan today. Luke 19 verse 10 says this, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. See, when we talk about realms and realities, there's, there's one kingdom that we continue to talk about, discuss, and that's God's kingdom. From the very beginning of time to the very end of time, it's about God's kingdom. See, Jesus, when it is mentioned in Scripture, this is the beginning. This is when redemption, when grace comes onto the scene. This is where we look and say, there's our hope. There's our ultimate love in our lives. There's this unending rule of Jesus. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, they, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full, acceptance, of full acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. You might be in this place wondering what your purpose might be, what you might be going through. You might have been faced with some trials and situations outside of these walls. I want to encourage you with this, that you can still be a part of God's kingdom. At the end of service, we'll give you more directions and how you can commit. But I just also want to encourage you with this. Don't allow your human reasoning, saying you need this empirical evidence to cloud God's supernatural work that can happen in life. There's this uh, uh, galaxy called the Whirlpool Galaxy. It's over 30 million light years away. And within that galaxy, there's this, this picture scientists blow up and it's this black hole, it's the X structure. And in this X structure, it's 1,100 miles long, light years, or light years, excuse me, long. And when you zoom in on this picture, it looks like a cross. See, logic says this, that there is our God who's the God of the physical, the God of the supernatural, the God that can make a lot and do so much in our lives. And when we look at this, it's he is stretching his hand, his kingdom all across this galaxy in ways we can't even see. I think sometimes we get hung up in trying to navigate certain things because we allow our human reasoning to come into effect. When really God is just saying, look how great my realm is. Number four for us today when it comes to God's plan, what we need to know is anything is, impos or anything is possible with God. Whenever Mary receives the news, her response is not a yes and okay. Her response is actually a question. Look at what Mary says. It says, and the angel said to her in verse 34, how will this be since I am a virgin? I, I think a lot of times we get hung up on this idea of I can't question God. 
I can't question some of the work or plans or purposes in our life. But Mary, when she receives the news that she's going to carry the Savior of man, her first response is a question. And the angel answered her and said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who, has, who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See, look at that. Mary asked a question. See, a question of maybe you going through a situation in your life or being uh, hit with conflict or turmoil in your life. The question isn't bad. The question becomes bad when we allow disobedience to happen because of the question. The question becomes bad when we get so consumed with trying to figure out the master plan versus living in obedience. Look what happened to Mary at the very end. She goes, behold, I am your servant. She was in this moment of complete surrender. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in this. If you're living humbly and you're, you're doing your best to listen to God and, and what he has in store for you and when you're trying to navigate life, if you're just taking it day by time, you say, God, I'm going to pursue you at all costs. God, I'm going to march to what you have according to my plan. I don't think God's just going to Fill, up, uh, fill the car up and leave it there and, and say, hey, I'm going to top you off here at a full tank and leave it there. I think God's going to keep doing it over and over and over again. Because it's fascinating. The angel says, okay, it's not like, hey, you're just going to have uh, the baby Mary. But he goes, but Mary, listen, Elizabeth, your relative, a supernatural work has been done in her life. She was barren, but now she has a child in her womb. See, God wasn't, it wasn't just, there's a limit. There was even more than Mary expected. She received that good news. And rather combating with it or being flustered with it, Mary says, I'm your servant. I'm going to follow. In Matthew 19, 26, Jesus is having this conversation with uh, this rich young ruler and tells this rich young ruler, hey, sell everything, come and follow me, and he couldn't get there. So he leaves Solomon, and yet Jesus is around his disciples, and when he's talking to his disciples, Peter, this man, he asks, he's like, if this guy who basically was willing to follow Jesus, if he can't make it, how can we? And Jesus looked at his group of followers, and he says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. There's some things going on, maybe in your life, situations in this Christmas season. I talked to many of you, and this is a new, unique, different Christmas season than you've ever experienced. Maybe there's some loved ones that aren't with you this year. Maybe COVID's turned some of your plans upside down. Maybe just the whole, the whole feel of it is different for your family. See, our hope for you today isn't that you let that feeling just, just be different, but that you start looking at God, this God who is the God of the possible. 
He can make so much out of our little and do so much with it. But it starts with this idea of Paul, of what he wrote, complete surrender. Complete surrender. So today we're going to enter into a final song as the worship team comes back up. We're giving you an opportunity to do two things. One, we'd love for you, if you haven't done so, if you want to see your purpose and, and plan, shape, mold, come about, to see, take God from your little bit and make it so much more, it starts with a relationship with Jesus. We believe that, that Jesus came, like when we see Jesus arriving here on the scene, it's the beginning work of grace and redemption. It's the beginning work of a, a new life, an old life gone. So that's why we say our hope for you is that you start a relationship with Jesus because Jesus, 33 years later, almost after this prophecy, sometime later, goes to the cross and he dies for each and every one of us. Scripture says we are saved when we believe that he's gone to the cross and God raised him from the dead. And he's done that for me. He's done that for you. And he's done that for everyone outside these walls. And then too, maybe you have a relationship with Jesus, but you're struggling with your plan in your life. Today, if I can give you a word of encouragement, trust God's plan in your life. Trust God's purpose for your life. Maybe it's every day you're waking up, you're praying and saying, God, I need you to renew my mind because right now I feel purposeless. I feel confused. I feel lost. God, give me a tenacity to pursue you even more. Thank you for joining us for today's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Sunday morning at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next week for Sunday Morning. Faith Assembly Sunday Morning is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.